Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. A, uh, a fun episode coming up today. It'll be, uh, well, you won't have to hear from me very much because we have a special guest. It's former Florida State fullback Freddie Stevenson, who has some really cool memories to tell uh, in honor of Florida State Clemson Week. Freddie, as you as you guys know, was was a darn good uh, blocking fullback for FSU and, and a pretty versatile one, actually, because he, he had some skills in catching the ball out of the backfield as well. Uh, from 2013 to 2016, and uh, and Freddie was was at the heart of a a really controversial moment in the FSU Clemson rivalry in 2016. So uh, so we're bringing Clem- Freddie uh, to talk about about that game against Clemson and, and the the phantom shot block as well as just some other memories about his time at FSU and and some games against Clemson that that were really cool because he, all of those were were really memorable in his four year span with the Seminoles. So so Freddie's going to come on talk about that. It's going to be a fun podcast. He he has a really good time with us and it's enjoyable. So. Uh, stick around after the break. We'll have Freddie on to come talk for a few minutes, and and then uh, and then later in the week, guys, we'll have uh, Josh and Chris and myself. We'll get the gang together and and do a, a full preview of Clemson as well as go over some of the the recruiting tidbits from the bye week and and just some other things like like the point spread that FSU is dealing with. I, I'm feeling more optimistic than the, the odds makers are uh, for Florida State's chances, but we'll get into all that later in the week. So for now. Uh, Please bear with us with the commercial break and and then enjoy the the Freddie Stevenson interview on the way on the way back because I think you're gonna enjoy it. It's it's gonna be fun and informative and, and and some really uh, some really cool memories from from not that long ago. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. I have a, a timely interview lined up for uh, for you guys, given that FSU is facing Clemson this week. It's a... Uh, a former player who who was a, a fan favorite when he was at Florida State because he, he worked his butt off constantly and, and did the dirty work and uh, it's timely because uh, this guy was uh, was part of the Florida State Clemson rivalry and saw it unfold firsthand and some really cool games and <laughs> was actually part of one of the most controversial penalties uh, in at least Florida State history uh, one that was certainly questionable so uh, so joining me right now on the bench is former Florida State fullback Freddie Stevenson Freddie welcome hey how you doing. I'm good, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I think this is going to be a fun interview. I'm going to ask you to relive some, <laughs> some, some not so pleasant times in the in the uh, Clemson rivalry, but some pleasant ones too. So I think we're going to have fun here. You, uh, you, uh, you're ready to uh, to relive some some tales from from yesteryear? Oh yes, sir. Let's do it. Let's do it. I love talking about my nose. All right, all right. So let's. Uh, so I, I assume pretty much everyone listening to our podcast knows Freddie because you know he played at Florida State from 2013 to 2016. wasn't that long ago, it was a couple of years ago, and he won a national title in 2013. Part of two ACC championship teams, more than 20 starts, and uh, 
And, and while well, he was called for one of the most bogus penalties in the history of FSU football. Uh, so, Fred, let me start off with this. And we'll, we'll, I'll set the scene in a minute for, for the actual penalty. But can you give our audience a definition of a chop block? Definition of a chop block is basically when a officer lineman or a blocker officer is engaged with a defender and then another blocker comes in and shoots that guy low. That's a, that's a definition of a chop block. All right. And, and so, so two, people, two people included in that play for it to even be a chop block. <laughs> and and the play that we're going to talk about uh, was certainly not with two people. So that's that's beginning to be part of the, one of the reasons why it's controversial. So so let me set the scene here. Uh, it's 2016, number three Clemson at number 12 FSU. Clemson comes out, builds. I think it was like a, like a two touchdown lead. Uh, but then Dalvin Cook you know, does what Dalvin does, and uh, he has two long touchdown runs and and three drives to give FSU a a 28 20 lead in the fourth. And uh, you guys, man, you were. You were looking to take complete control of that game uh, as Dalvin uh, breaks off uh, what looked to be another long run uh, when when there was a penalty. And I guess I'll let you uh, share with us from there, Freddie. Guess what what happened on the play? Um, we had we were running a play. We pretty much were killing them with our game. I know um, Dalvin's gold on it like two times early in the game. There we ran it. We would switch plays back between me and Izzo. Um, so Izzo ran it a few times, and then I came back and ran it. So we gave him a different look, and <clears throat> everything was pretty pretty much set up. But the biggest thing for me was I was known for a while for kind of – I was known for my for my cut blocks pretty much. So teams would come in and say, oh, man, he going – 23, he going he gonna to cut you low, be, be, be aware in space. Because they always told me to shoot him low in space so they couldn't make the play. So I'm coming out there, and my biggest thing was, all right, take the right angle so that he doesn't cut inside of you and make the play. So I kind of trailed him a little bit, stayed on his back here because I know I knew just from playing with Devin for a while, I would know where he was behind me just based on how the defender started running. So I was kind of pacing myself, and he he kind of was playing it slow. So I was like, all right, he, he probably didn't break yet. And then all all of a sudden, I just seen him take off. I was like, all right, here he comes. So I went. <laughs> <laughs> I I went and then he kinda he kinda took a weird angle. It was kinda as if he didn't want to make the play. And so I kinda took a it was it was weird. So and then he he kinda stopped on me. So I ended up hitting him kind it was still clean, but it was kinda it wasn't the normal way I hit somebody on a on a cut block. And he but he ended up falling falling down and everything was clean and I seen Dabba running down the sideline. And I was I just got up jumping and cheering and everything. And then I look back and I seen the flag and I'm like, dang, one of the linemen was holding. <laughs> I, kept, I kept I kept looking around and the more I kept the more I kept watching everybody's body language, I like, nah, nobody I don't know. I know I know when the holding penalty going on just based off the linemen's reaction, like, they might try to call that on me. So when they called it, I was just confused because I had been doing it all season. So I was like, I don't and then when they made the chop block call, I was just confused. I, like, I never, I never heard that. Like, was it somebody next to me when I was blocking them? I don't. I was confused. Like, it kind of. I'm not gonna lie. That whole entire season, I was scared to cut block anybody else. Like, when the <laughs> coaches were telling me to keep cut blocking, I'm like, man, coach, you seen what happened against Clemson? Like, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it's I, like, think it was, I think it was a bull. It was a, it was a trash call. We all, we all <laughs> know that. But, hey, that, 
as a ball, maybe I could have put myself in a, a better situation. I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you, man, is, is the, the reaction to the call. So when the Clemson player goes down, like he kind of like he bopped up right away and threw his hands up in the air. Cause I rewatched it today before, before calling you. And I think he sold it a little bit too, to get the attention. But, but so the penalty's called Jimbo loses his mind, right? Uh, like Jimbo, Jimbo goes crazy afterwards. Like you guys all felt like that was a BS call, right? Like that was across the board. No one was like, man, Freddie shouldn't have done that. Like you did the right thing, what your coach should do and, and just were penalized for it. And this 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 time I'll tell you I know for a fact it was a trash call. <laughs> this the same we ran the same as that play later in the game, but I was the guy getting the ball. Mm-hmm. So and this is after the penalty. So later in the game, now instead of blocking for Dab, he blocked it for me. And I think Izzo was already engaged on his guy. And Dalvin shot him low. And I was like, dang, they finna get a chop block, like a real true chop block. But I think the rest was so traumatized by the what Jimbo just fed them in their <laughs> ear about that horrible call that they let it slide. So I was like, yeah, they know that was a horrible call because I, I I swore they were gonna call that play, but I'm just I'm just happy they didn't. But mine was I was still that was tough. I don't I still watch I was watching the um game I think two weeks ago and it was crazy to me still even then just to watch the full game. It was my first time watching the full game. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh, when that penalty happened, I remember the conversation I had with my co-host on our podcast then was like, uh, well, on the net, when we were reviewing the game, it's like, you know, Jimbo went, went nuts there. Uh, you probably can't repeat what he, <laughs> what he, what he actually said, uh, to the ref. But yeah, you know, at the time that ended up getting you guys a, a penalty, uh, an extra 15 yards to that. And, uh, as a player, like, did you like that Jimbo stumped for you? Like that he, he defended and, and, got after the rest for that call, even if it may cost you guys on that drive, like in hindsight, was that something that, that you were cool with at the time? Oh yeah. He, um, shoot. And I think even it was a mixture of both. Like, so he was defending me, but at the same time, you know, shoot, that was a, that was a big critical play in the game. Like that could have, cause we were taking, we had all the momentum that drive. We just took a lead. We went in that game. Mm-hmm. So we already we already winning. We added some more points to that lead. That game that game over with, and you potentially looking at a whole different season. Yeah. So that he knew he knew what the stipulations were. We all knew what the stipulations were. So I whole I hate to say it, like we still have stuff to play for. But what what we go to come to Florida State for each and every year to play for championships like that was a potential ACC championship bid right there. Because you see how we lost Louisville earlier in that season, and they ended up folding at the end of the year, losing a lot of games. So mm-hmm. that would have put us right back into it with the tiebreak. We'd have had the um, tiebreak over on um, Clemson. That's right. That's right. And yeah, you you that point you guys were five and two. So then you're looking at five and three, and you were like on the verge of being top ten team too. So you know, who knows what happens at that point? But yeah, you're talking about near six bowl games. So yeah, there was a lot on the line. And uh, yeah, but it was it was a it was a tough call. I remember even like the announcers, I think it was Kirk Herbstreet doing that game. Uh, you know, when I was rewatching it, even just today, he was, I remember at the time it was controversial, but then going back and rewatching it, like it wasn't even controversial. Like it was just a bad call. Uh, Cause you hit the guy up on his shoulder with your head. And like you said, it was awkward. Right. But, but you hit, yeah, you hit it, was his, it was, but, but you still, you like kind of slid down and that's probably like where they thought you went and shot blocked him. But the contact was made with your helmet, technically in the front part of his body. Um, 
Anyway, so so that happens. Uh, season unfolds, but, but let's talk about some positive Clemson memories, shall we? Uh, enough of the negative. You were uh, you, you were part of some really really fantastic FSU teams, and uh, and that included some wins over Clemson. Do you, do you have Freddie a, a favorite memory, whether it, like in the game against Clemson for you specifically, or just watching in any of the other years at, at FSU? I think the um the overtime. The, the, well, not the overtime game. The game we had Sean um, come mm-hmm. in for Jameis. That was a that was a big moment for for us. I think everybody doubted us, and we still pulled that game out. But I think my favorite my favorite moment for the from that Clemson game was probably the the play when we went up to we went up to um, Death Valley, and the, I think it was the second play of the game. That's when Dalvin broke. Mm-hmm. But it was like one that play was like one of our bread and butter plays. It was an inside zone play, but I was I was always the extra blocker that kind of got to read everything out. And the play, like the success of the play, would depend on me making the right read. So Clemson, they came in trying to stop the stretch play, so we always tried to make our footwork look like stretch. So we um we ended up going. He got, we got the ball, took our step. And then they flowed super crazy, so I knew I knew it would have a chance to break at that point. So I kind of flowed to the the backside. I ended up winding the play all the way back after getting past the quarter after playing the quarterback. And a linebacker, I said, what number ten, Bullard, Bullard. He came he came down and he was like the last defender left other than the safety. He came down and he made me in the hole and the lineman. They cleared everything out. It was just me and him. I had to make my block. And next thing you know, that was going for six. So that play right there was big, like, because we had just last time we came to Death Valley, we, you know, we did to him. So mm-hmm. coming in and seeing that after we had just lost to I think Georgia Tech a few weeks ago, it was like, man, the whole crowd got quiet. They're like, man, is this going to happen again? So that was a big moment to me. What was it like blocking for for Dalvin? I'm sure you guys knew how special he was at the time, and now you're seeing him do it in the NFL, like. One, how much pride did, I guess did, Freddie did you take in that, and then two, like how special did you know Dalvin was at at the time, and like how did you go about blocking for him and and getting to learn like how he runs and and picking up like the nuances, like how to how to specifically block for for Dalvin Cook. Um yeah, it was um, when I first when he first came in, I was used to blocking for like Carlos and Pender and stuff. So Dalvin got a he got a different style he got a different style. So it took me a while to um adjust to his style, but um. I mean, early on, we knew that he was going to be good. I think his freshman year, he came in, it was fall camp. And I think everybody was getting hurt in the, in the, in camp. So they were trying to keep a lot of people out. And the coaches, that shoot, he was highly recruited back. One of the, I think, what, top three backs coming out of high school? I don't know. Yeah. But so he come in the scrimmage and all the backs go down. And he just, like, smashed. He was smashing the whole team, the whole scrimmage, and it was one play in general. It was like two people in the backfield. He jump cut off of one and spent off the other one. They tried to hit him, and he spent off of him, and then he just slid to the to the crib. I was like, man, all right, <laughs> all right, like, because it was just the way he did it, and it was like so effortless. But that was the entire scrimmage. Like it was like that. So once we got together, it was. It, once we built that trust, I, I feel like it was magical. Like Dalvin, he he did 
he didn't really he didn't really need he didn't need me at all. Like he did his thing on his own. He single back everything. But when we were together, I felt like it just went up a whole different level. Like he was already great, but we just had this chemistry. Like he'll come in, he'll tell me every time I come in, Fred, I'm following you, Fred. I'm following <laughs> you, Fred. So we had we had that chemistry. But yeah, yeah. I love I love I love watching he's still doing the same, man. It ain't it's like, man, <laughs> I just like last week. Not a week before I seen him break for that big run, but I'll, I'll tell the people. I'll tell people all the time, man. As long as, as long as he healthy, he best back in the league. So it ain't nothing changed. As long as he stay healthy, that's all it is. And you, it, you it, made, it was just to play with him. And you were a big part of you. Know, Dalvin had some awesome seasons at Florida State, and like you said, he's a special player and, and made special things happen, but you gave him room to, to maneuver and to, to be special. Uh, you mentioned the Clemson game uh, in 2015 as, as an example of that. Like for, for you, Freddie, like when you came to FSU, you were a, a highly ranked linebacker recruit and you made the switch to, uh, to fullback, I, I guess. Mm-hmm. What was that transition like for you? And, you know, I, I think most of our audience knows like fullback is a position that a lot of teams have kind of gone away from. Uh, so you made a, you know, basically you made a move to a position that wasn't as prevalent in the NFL and, and did it selflessly. I guess what went into that that decision and, and maybe in, in hindsight, like would you have made that decision all over again or would you have rather stayed at linebacker, you know, with looking looking at how your career went? Um, I, uh, Yeah, of course I would have stayed at linebacker. I still wanted to stay there, but mm-hmm. being honest, I, after my injury in high school, I broke my leg and it was a pretty big injury. I shattered bones in my ankle, and when I got to Florida State, everything was good. But and they were talking about me possibly competing with a competing for a starting job with Terrence Smith and I think who a league um you keep me a league weight, Marcus a league weight. That's right, that's right. So, but they yep. told me my big my biggest thing was I was fast and I can move and all those things knew the game, but I was undersized. Like I don't think like people see me. And my my good years and how big I was, but I was like two twelve or maybe two fifteen when I came in, so I was tremendously undersized. And they were they kept telling me like, man, if you want to get on the field this year, you're gonna have to put on a lot of weight. And I kind of I feel like to be honest, I kind of let pride get in my way a little bit. I didn't want to be I didn't want to I heard had so many people back home wanting to see me fail and stuff. So I was like, man, let me put this weight on fast so I could play my freshman year. And then when I put that weight on, it kind of limited me a little bit with my leg because my leg wasn't used to all that weight. I put it on too fast and I put it on the wrong way. I was just trying to eat any and everything to gain the weight. And then once I got the fall camp, I wasn't moving the same anymore. So it was kind of, and I remember coaches coming in and meeting with me and things like that, asking what was wrong. I remember Coach Pruitt and Coach Jimbo meeting with me, asking me what was wrong. And I, it just really wasn't much I could say. Like, I, my leg was stiff. I couldn't move. Like, I would see plays happening before they happened, but it was like I just couldn't, I just couldn't get there the same anymore. So Jimbo brought me in, saying that he thought I could be an asset on the offensive side of the ball because I played a little running back, tight end in high school, so he thought he could use me over there. So I was like, man, I'll just try it out because I already see the writing on the wall. I'm going to end up red-shirting this year, so let me just see how fullback goes. And and you ended up being though, man, like a like a incredible fullback. And you start for basically three seasons. Uh, what goes into being a fullback? Again, it's it's a position that like isn't 
uh, super widely popular like it was, you know, even 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and Jimbo used that position though, to a lot of success. Like it's what like mentality do you need to play that position? Cause it's not one that typically gets a lot of, a lot of glory, right? You have to be kind of a hard nosed guy, I imagine, and, and be selfless to, to, to play that position. Oh yeah. Oh, um, oh yeah. I forgot to say Jimbo kind of, he kind of, he had a whole game plan together, how to get me on the opposite side of the ball. Cause I I was about to transfer. People, I was about to leave. Oh, you you buried the lead there, Freddie. (laughs) Huh? You buried the lead there. So, so, so you were ready. Like when, when you realized you weren't going to play, you were like, uh, this may not be for, it wasn't even the fact that I wasn't going to play. I was, um, it was the fact that they were switching me to fullback. Okay. Okay. I was like, all right, I don't know what, you know, at that time, like, nobody was really using the fullback. Just like now, like, it's a few teams that use them. But then you've seen it kind of happening. Like, nobody – I didn't think people would still be using them now at that time. So, but I was kind of <laughs> against it. And he, he talked to me, like, man, you can make a lot of money in the league doing this. I, I see you being one of the highest-paid fullbacks in the league. And he kept – like, he was telling me about um, Jacob Hester. You know, that guy played for him at LSU. And I was a second round pick. He he was telling me he thinks I could be better than him. I was like, man, yeah, that may be true, but it's not a not the same market anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> but he kind of, he um he kept talking to me. And he got me he got me to switch over eventually. But um I think it's just a mentality, really. Honestly, I always been. I think first and foremost to be a good fullback, you have to be unselfish. So that just ha- and that just has to be your mentality as a person. I've always been a person that won't love to see other people succeed. So fullback wasn't too hard for me. I just had to learn the details and the different techniques and all the different angles I had to take. It was something new to me. But I did I did love when I got the ball every now and then. Like, I love to get the ball. But it was I think <clears throat> the biggest adjustment was just blocking full-time. I did a little bit in high school, but doing it full-time was a completely different monster. Having to read defenses and fronts and things like that, I think that was the biggest adjustment. But I think to be a successful fullback, you have to be unselfish. You have to be physical. And you have to be able to move somewhat. I, I say somewhat because some of these teams, they just run ISOs and things like that with their fullback. But at Florida State, you have to be able to move in, in space and things like that. All right, so so I have a couple more Clemson-related questions since we're in Clemson week here. Uh, so for your perspective here, Freddie, uh, 2014 was a game you mentioned that was the the Sean, you know, the game where Sean started and uh, and obviously was a uh, I think it went to overtime, but it was the the the, the Eddie Goldman uh, fumble recovery or the the strip uh, that he had uh, was was a big part of that game. Do you remember uh, watching from the sideline? Like, did you think at that point the game was? the game was done and over before then. I remember Sean's reaction. Everyone remembers that. Like, he's like, Oh my God, we got the ball. What were you like when that happened? Um, I didn't necessarily think the game was over. That was the year we kept coming back on everybody. Um, <laughs> that's that's so, true. <laughs> so it was, to be honest, at that point, we, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to say we all felt like we were going to have something roll our way, but we did like, they were coming down. I was like, man, defense going to get the turnover. Defense going to get the turnover because it had been happening, like, the whole season. And we had, we've been in a way worse situation than that. Louisville, the Miami game. So, Clemson, it's just a few points. We were like, man, we'll still have a chance. And then that happened, and we turned things around. Did, was, that, that, was, that was big, though. 
<laughs> that was that was one of the craziest plays. Yeah, and then uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't if I'm wrong, wasn't the overtime win like the Carlos? You guys sealed it with Carlos's. Uh, it was like the bobbled catch, right? If I'm if my memory serves, like he had the bobbled catch for for the touchdown too. It was just it was a super dramatic game all around. Oh yeah, that was um, that wasn't that wasn't um against that was against Miami. Was that Miami? Okay. All right. Yeah. That, that, that season, man, like I, I used to work for a newspaper then and uh, they had these deadlines. And, and so every single game was like going up against the wire. So I must've written like 10 game stories of like what you guys could have possibly lost, but that kept on not, not happening. Obviously that, that team was resilient. Uh, I think to be honest, it's, it's crazy to say it's like we, our team needed to be behind. We needed to be down by a few touchdowns because, we would start off the game so bad, and then once we get down, it was, it was a completely different team. Like if we played from the beginning of the game, how we played that, once we got down, you think we blew people out that 2013 season? <laughs> that 2014 season was a monster. Once we got down, why do you think that was that the guys that you guys needed needed that little boost to be down? Yeah, because when you turned turned it on, like when you had to play, uh, it was it was done. It was over. Like you guys were, were crushing people, but it took like about a half. Like, why do you think the team, why was the mindset such where you kind of needed to almost be behind to get going? I think it was just the fact that we won the championship the year before some guys got complacent. So sure. Then put, then then start off the game the way we should. And then once we got his in the mouth, that's when the pride and everything came out. And that's what, that's why we played so different in the second half. But yeah, it would have been way different if we started off the games like that. Because yeah. I feel like, to be honest, that 2014 team had way more talent. Yeah. Yeah, you look at all the guys who got drafted from that, and then you had Dalvin as a freshman too. Yeah, that was that was probably just as talented, if not more talented. Um, and you mentioned, Freddie, the, the – well, you mentioned it, the 2015 game at Clemson, uh, how you guys really silenced the crowd early with the with the Dalvin Cook touchdown run kind of maybe reminded the fans at Clemson at that time of the 2013 game where you guys came out and, uh, and just annihilated Clemson. Like that was uh, to me, like covering that game, that was my first year covering FSU. Like it was crazy uh, how loud that environment was and how quickly it got quiet uh, for you. What was that like? Uh, you were a freshman then, but I believe you were traveling with the team and, and had a role like on special teams and stuff. Do you, do you remember what it was like when, when that, silence set over the stadium like what the moment was that really like broke Clemson that in that game I think um yeah because the first it was a it was a little bit the first time we played them over there it was a little bit different because even when they, we scored that first touchdown they they still believed that they were going to blow us out we're going like even when we we're up like I think we went up 17 or whatever the fans were still talking crazy on the sideline to us like they're about to come back at any moment so they never they didn't really believe that we were going to beat them in spite of all that. They were just like, all right, they got the momentum right now, so we'll catch that later. But when we scored in that 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 game, when Dallas scored the first play of the game, and they had experienced that in 2013, mm-hmm. we went to the sideline. We, I remember telling them, I was like, we finna, we finna take this over again. <laughs> and nobody, like the whole entire stadium could have heard me. Like, it was so quiet. It was crazy. It, <laughs> You got fans biting and they're looking around at each other like, should I leave? Should I leave the stadium right now? <laughs> this again? 
they, but, yeah. they had flat they, they had flashbacks to 2013 as what was that's what was happening they were straight up remembering what happened two years ago that was crazy <laughs> that was crazy uh before that game, everyone remembers like the the Jameis speech. Was, was that even the best speech in the locker room? The one that Jameis gave. Uh, I think I remember hearing that Telvin Telvin Smith gave a good one too. I think everybody gave good speeches that night. We had Tim, <laughs> we had Tev. You know, Tevin always gonna give a motivational speech. But I think the you know the the thing that went viral was the Jameis do it big. Yep. That's what that's what got the team flowing because everybody was. Everybody was kind of, I wouldn't say, like, we were ready, but we were kind of, like, too tense. Like, once he started saying that, we started we started loosening up a little bit. Like, all right, we good. That kind of got everybody, like, happy, ready. For, we already ready for the game, but that kind of got us happy and feeling more loose. And at that point, it was over with. We in the locker room having fun before a big game is over with. <laughs> and then you guys came out and I remember that entrance too onto the field. It's like you that's when I realized like, oh shit, like Florida State's gonna do something special here tonight. Like you guys came out with confidence and, and loose in a big game. Uh and then yeah, it was I kind think, of think, over after that. It was yeah, it was over before it even started. I think to be honest, the Boston College game was our biggest challenge early mm-hmm. in the regular season because they, they always play us tough. But after that Maryland game I think mm-hmm. because people don't people forget we were big underdogs against Maryland, uh, Maryland that year. They had Stephon Diggs, all those guys. We were big underdogs against them in 2013, and we beat them 63 to zero. So after that game, the whole entire team's mindset is nobody can beat us. Nobody, I don't care. Like we we knew we were gonna blow Clemson out. Like it's easy. It, people laugh. I'm saying it now, but if you go back there, the whole entire team knew we were gonna blow them out. Like <laughs> I remember. Um, during the week, older guys asking because I, you know, I play, I play kickoff, kickoff returns, and special teams and stuff that year. But older guys asking to get ready to play, get ready to play. They let me know to get ready to play. They're like you ready to play? So they let me know like we're gonna <laughs> blow them boys out. You gonna get on the field? And and they were right. <laughs> they were right. Yeah. What changed, man? Because that Boston College game was that like the wake up call for you guys? Like what changed to where? that Maryland game happened and then the Clemson game happened. Like was there a certain moment where the kind of like a, like a light flip was switched or something? They just, the team seemed like it completely changed after BC is why I ask. I think um, the biggest thing was we got punched in the mouth. We would get punched in the mouth all game. That was a, that game against Boston College. It was a heavyweight fight. So coming out of that game, they tested us and, Usually we play Boston College later on in the season. Mm-hmm. We played them earlier earlier this year, and they hit us in the mouth early. We weren't we weren't ready for it, and they were they were killing us from the jump. So it kind of made us dig dig deep, and we found out what all guys had dog in them on the team, and we, then that's when we realized we got a team full of dogs, and that just that whole mentality just kept going the rest of the season. All right, Freddie, go go in full circle here. Uh, the what is a chop block uh, is how we opened up the open up the show. You have a uh, you have a clothing line that that you recently started, and there's uh, you you put it on social media. There's some really cool stuff, and one of those is a uh, oh what is a chop block shirt with you uh, with a still from from the the bogus call. Uh, do you want to tell folks like what what you're doing right now post football and uh, where they can find some of the some of the cool things you're you're a part of right now? Oh yeah. Um... 
right now I'm currently I'm I do motivational speaking, been booked for some speaking gigs. Um, I got a closing line, and I'm actually writing, finishing up my first book. But yeah, my closing line, I do some. It's called triumph. So it's triumph. So basically, all the obstacles you face face in life, you can overcome each and every one of them. There's nothing. There's no obstacles too too big for you. You can overcome anything. You just have to put your mind to it and believe. And that that was the message behind Triumph. It's called Triumph 105, and the the 105 in Triumph was a story from my childhood that means a lot to me. My mother, she was raising five kids on her own, struggling to get us food and things like that. We were homeless, and one day we hadn't eaten all day, and she only had a dollar, so she took us to McDonald's, ordered a cheeseburger. Total came out to a dollar and five cents, and she didn't have a nickel, so she asked somebody for that nickel, and they gave her the nickel. Then she went outside, cut the cheeseburger into five slices, and then handed it out to me and my siblings. And my little sister asked her why she wasn't eating, and she broke down in tears. So mm-hmm. that's the 105 and Triumph 105. So no matter what obstacle you can face in life, no matter what obstacles you face, you can overcome them, and that's why that's why I Triumph 105. And I got Florida State inspired clothing on my website as well. So, and the fans are loving it. So it's it's been great. I, I know I have one guy. I might need to send. I might need to send him send him a few free shirts. I see him every week buying like five or six shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Help him out. Help him out a little bit for supporting the cause. And uh, and what we'll do, Freddie, is we'll we'll uh, for for our listeners. And I I know like the the what is a chop block shirt got a lot of traction on social media. It's really cool design and uh, it's fun. I love that you have the definition of it on the back. We'll uh, we'll put a link uh, to the website and and the actual story we do uh, from the podcast here. So so our listeners if they want to check it out, they'll they'll be able to go do that. All right. Okay. Okay. Appreciate that. All right, man. I got well, the, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the shirt right now. I gave you I gave you the I gave you my definition earlier, but now I give you the definition. All right. From um, it says a chop block is an illegal block of an opposing player below the knees, caught when the block comes from the side or behind when the player being blocked is already engaged with an opponent. And 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 where's your helmet in that in the picture on the front of the shirt, Freddie? Is it is it below the knees? No, 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 nope. nope, nope, no, no, <laughs> no, it's not. And I don't I don't see anybody else in the picture. So. <laughs> I don't see another blocker, so hey, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I, let me go get my glasses real quick. <laughs> uh, it, it is a really cool shirt, and uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll link to it because it's a lot of fun. Uh, I like the 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 way it's designed, and that you're having fun with what was a not fun moment for you. So, man, congratulations on everything that you're doing post football. I'm happy for you. It's really cool to see. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us. This, this was a good time. I appreciate you for having me. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or 
I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.